0: Welcome to Behind the Visual with Mark Hansen, where I interview all the people responsible for creating all the images and videos you see out in your world every day. And I am your host, advertising and lifestyle photographer, Mark Hansen. And guys, today, my guest is Nick Onken. Nick is a world-renowned photographer who has shot campaigns for brands such as Coca-Cola, Chevy, Adidas, Powerade, etc he's also been shooting celebrities like Justin Bieber, Jessica Alba, Tom Hanks, Usher and many more for years. And believe it or not, this guy's got more going on. He is involved with the charity Pencils of Promise. He shoots for them and his very popular podcast called Neon Radio and last but not least, he's also making custom hats. Don't know how this dude has time to do anything else. And I really appreciate him taking the time to be on this podcast. So let's uh talk with Nick Onkin. Thank you, Nick, for doing this. I appreciate it, especially now that everybody's quarantined in the house and I Absolutely. can't go anywhere. So um, tell us a little bit about you, dude. How'd you get into being a photographer? You know, What got you to the point where you are now? Um, and I know you're doing all kinds of different stuff, but uh, lead us up to you know, your interest in photography, how you got to that point and how you are at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been doing photography for a good 15 years, 10, 15 years now. I mean, I started out as a graphic designer. That's what I went to school for. And I kind of picked up a digital camera, you know, amidst my design, my freelance graphic design days to, you know, basically just once digital kind of got to a state of decency, Uh, technology wise and file wise um, back in 2003 I want to say maybe a little bit before that I picked up a digital camera to to create um, assets for uh, just for my design work and um, taking a a class in high school and college of photography but um, you know just because it was required as part of the design programs and but I never really thought anything of it and then just once digital kind of hit or started to become good enough. It was, uh, I started interested a little bit more. Once I got the camera, I started shooting just random stuff mean, from like whatever, a cup on the, a cup on the table to different textures and, you know, just experimenting and learning and, and playing around with it. And it was really, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. You know, never thought anything of it outside of a hobby or to create, to create stuff for my design work. But, um, I ended up convincing a nonprofit design client of mine to split the expenses on a trip to Africa and build them a photo library. Cause my friend had gone and he was like doing it work, but he, you know, this, this organization had flown him over to Africa to build an it network over there. And I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to do something like that. So I ended up like pitching this client to build them a photo library. And, you know, I was like, I couldn't do, obviously, graphic design. You don't need to be there. So photography was what I pitched them. And they said, to my surprise, said yes. And that was kind of what really got me that that trip. You know, I, I went to four countries in Africa. I went to Zimbabwe, Uganda, wow. Kenya, Burundi. Yeah. And then I went to uh, like a month, spent a month in Europe after that. Uh, kind of the same organization. Really, it was just like shooting people in places and whatever I wanted to shoot. So um, I got back you know, and the client was happy. They were like, I was, you know, I look back on those images and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> 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 However, they were happy at the time and which is and, all that matters uh,
0: when it comes down to it.
1: Exactly. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I literally would just, they said yes. I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm just going to
0: jump off the cliff and
1: figure this out and weave the parachute as it, as I'm, as I'm falling through the sky um so yeah that was kind of that was a huge eye-opening trip for me in both two ways it was a my perspective of the world and 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 uh experiencing the developing world for the first time uh which was you know a huge shift of what i was used to you know i'd never been to the developing world before it was yeah you know to to experience such poverty and such you know but also happiness and joy of people that had nothing yet were um, you know happy and, and joyful and grateful and you know it's it was such a contrast to where I got when I got back I just didn't even know it took me like a couple months to actually just assimilate back into this world oh I'm sure um, so that was a huge huge you know eye opener aspect and so that's all you know played a part in everything that I've done up until today and and into the future as business wise and and philanthropy wise uh, but it also opened my eyes to to actually being a photographer. I didn't even know what that looked like or what that would have um, seemed like. But um, I was like, yeah, I mean, people pay me to travel the world and take photos. I, I could get used to this.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a rough not a rough dig so, at all, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's kind of like how it started. And then I just, from when I got back, I just started kind of shooting a lot more, looking into it, randomly connected with a photographer out in Seattle. This is where I was living at the time uh, where I grew up. and. He I was supposed to do website updates for him um design-wise. And then I just started bombarding him with questions, photography questions. And eventually he's just like, hey, you know, you should just come out on set with us and hang out and you can kind of see what it's like. And then eventually I started assisting for him. And then, you know, this is all kind of just like Seattle commercial uh stuff. And and uh so it got me kind of it opened my eyes to the world of a commercial or just a photographer in general. Like I had no idea that you could actually make money as taking pictures. Like this just was a whole new concept to me. Um, Cause at that point, you know, 2003, like nobody knew what there was. There's no internet oh, in yeah. the sense of, you know, photography wasn't online, you know, right. was, this was still very, very, you know, if you wanted photos online, you pretty much had to scan them. You know, the digital technology <laughs> was just getting to that point but still nobody had kind of um you know nobody had really kind of married and brought stuff online because everybody was so analog back then all the all the top photographers all the big commercial photographers were there like digital hell no like um, oh yeah you know nobody wanted to touch it nobody wanted to, to adapt nobody wanted to move into it because it was so foreign Um, so that's kind of where I got my start. And then it just kind of developed from there. I ended up, you know, assisting for him for a little while, shooting my own stuff, taking graphic design projects just to sustain myself. And then I moved down to, um, actually ended up one of my big, first big gigs was for Nike, About like in end of 2004, beginning of 2005, shooting all these pro sports players that I had no, I had to Google them to find out who they were, (laughs) but that was kind of my, my big, (laughs) my first big job. And it was like, I was learning on the fly there as well. I was just like, you know, had to figure it all out as I was going along and I'd never done a a job where I had to travel around the U S and like have, find assistance and find production and find equipment and find all these things. But, you know, you know, I think you tap, tap into your network and ask people and somebody eventually, you know, has, a guy who has a guy who, you know what I mean? I found an assistant who had the equipment who ended up being able to drive down to San Diego and I had like four days to figure this out with Christmas in between. So yeah, that was my first big job and and you know, I pulled it off and I kept those contacts. I kept those, just kept those relationships and you know, ended up, you know, I thought I was going to have, you know, I was like, Oh, I got this Nike job. I'm like, the ball is rolling. I'm in. And I didn't see anything like that for two years after that um you know so you never know like this business is so up and down and i ended up you know i took that money and i moved to paris and lived there for half a year uh i I live in another country yeah (laughs) so yeah that was the that's how i got started
0: oh very cool hey hold on just a second i'm my i'm gonna switch wi-fi's i'm on so i'll probably drop off for just a second i think but i'll be it should come right back on Maybe I drop maybe I won't drop off on there. Okay, are we back? Yeah. All right. Okay. kept giving me a thing saying my it was unstable. My internet was unstable, so I thought it switched up. Okay. Cool. So the the uh charity, was that Pencils of Promise?
1: no it was just like some other it was another organization pencils of promise didn't come until a few years later um which i had met um, adam braun through a friend of mine who i just was working for with aviator nation actually he was working at that um and i stopped in one day i was like yeah i'm just like randomly talking to this guy and i was like yeah i'm looking for a developing world charity to get involved with and he was like oh you should talk to my friend adam he's building schools and and laos and um you know so he's like I'll connect you so he connected us and then you know Adam and I met up in New York and had a beer and I was just like this guy's going to build something big he's got like he's got the um brain to build a business around it but he also has a bleeding heart for the cause and you don't see a lot of um founder charity founders with both um most either have, most of them either have one or the other and so oh, they yeah. kind of tend to not go anywhere but <laughs> I saw this in him and I was like you know I'm i think this guy's going to build something big and you know it's i want to be a part of it and so he's like i'm going to the laos in december if you want to come i can't pay for you i can't pay you but if you want to come you're welcome to come it's like oh hell hey man can you can you still hear me really kind of felt
0: oh a, there you
1: yeah, we we built a library of imagery or a library uh, of images for them to use, and they still use some of those today. We've sh- we've definitely shot way more. You know, I've been to every country multiple times now that they operate in, and um, and so it's it's been a good it's been a good uh
0: collaboration. Damn, that's very cool. They've got some pretty big hitters on that charity, don't they? I know it's like um, it was like. Gary Vaynerchuk, I think is on there from VaynerMedia.
1: Yeah. Gary, um, yeah very, Gary V's on the board. I've met him through the charity and um, like Jim Quick and Lewis Howes and a lot of these guys. Yeah. Uh, Beaver, you know, Beaver has been part of it more. So just like a donor. He's not really done anything, but we've shot him. We took him down to, down to the jungles of Guatemala at one point And, um, you know he got to see the schools because like, at one point he was design- he was donating like a dollar of every ticket uh for one of his tours to pencils of promise oh, um, so we got to take him down to the field and see the work and him- he got to play with the kids and stuff like that so um yeah there's been a lot of people usher has been a part of it but that's you know a big part because you know not because but like scooter Braun is adam's brother
0: yeah i um, kind of thought that might be the the connection there when i heard the Braun is the last name
1: yeah so that's kind of how all of that's transpired but i mean you know everyone's working to build for a great cause so it's been it's been uh, an amazing journey
0: yeah yeah i think if it all works out like that and just happens that you end up meeting all these cool people along the way it's a good thing Yeah, did, um absolutely. Did, did the pencils of promise thing did meeting all these people did that help in your career day or is it just people you just met and you just ended up shooting and
1: yeah, no, I mean, like, I've, you know, definitely meeting, uh, I've met a lot of people through that and I photograph, you know, I've, I met a lot of, yeah, I met Scooter through that. Um, and we became friends and then that led to shooting Justin probably four or five times. And I've, you know, became friends with Usher through that and, uh, shot him a couple of times, had him on, had him on the podcast. Um, you know, so it's, it's been a good, you know, I shot little, I, I met little John through kind of that, that crew and photograph, he hired me to shoot him. And so it's, it's been definitely like a great you know it was definitely a huge relationship builder that's for sure
0: yeah damn I, and i've come to realize that in years of shooting that that's the, pretty much the way it works man it's all comes down everybody says it's all about who you know but i think it's all about who knows you and who likes you more than it is who you know because i can know people but it doesn't mean they're going to like me enough to hire me or want to hire me i think it comes down to people who can hire you and who actually like you and I think yeah. that's a big part of it absolutely <laughs>
1: exactly yeah who like you who want to hire you and you know like they you know now it's like so much about the experience of working with you as well as the work that you create um
0: yeah yeah because everybody's a photographer now
1: (laughs) yeah everyone's a photographer Uh, It used to not be that way, you know, it used to be, you know, the work, you know, people were sought out by their work and like, you know, even if they're a total asshole to work with, like people would still seek them out to work with them because they love their work. I don't really see that that much these days. Like now you have to be amazing and have like the personality and like want to be a good person to work with.
0: Yeah, which I think can, can get rid of some people because I think some people can be good as good photographers, but just don't have the personality and probably keeps them from getting some jobs. I would think from my experience in it, because it seems a lot of it, because I've had clients want me to shoot stuff that I don't shoot and it's all because they liked me You know, it had nothing to do with the fact that they thought I was going to be great shooting still life or shooting food, which I didn't want to do in the first place. They just seemed (laughs) to, you know, they just seemed to like me and wanted me to do it. So, that's the way yeah, ended up doing
1: absolutely. it. Absolutely.
0: So, what do you do to get clients? It doesn't. You don't have a rep, do you, or do you?
1: No, I split with my. I split with my last rep probably like three years ago. So, you know, I don't know if.
0: Dude, they're the hit and really miss, aren't much. they?
1: Yeah, but yeah. even in this day and age, like since the wave of the internet, like I don't know how much you really need them. I mean, if you not if you're new to the business, they can teach you how to like do it, but I've I had an agent for like a year, for 10 years. I started with Greenhouse or there was, I had another agent. I started with Green and then I had Greenhouse then I had uh, Kate Ryan. And like, you know, I learned so much from having agents back, especially back when all of it started. I didn't know how to bid jobs or get producers or do all yeah. these things, but through all those years and I've shot so many different types of campaigns, so many different clients, I learned a lot through, through that. And, um, at this point, like if commercial jobs come through, I know how to price myself. I know how to get a producer. I know how to do all these things, but I'm also finding, you know, I've also found over the last few years, um, that, you know, just a lot of the commercial jobs, it's just not what it used to be and like the rates aren't what they used to be and, and all that. So, you know, kind of makes me less interested in a lot of the work.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. The rates are uh, definitely not what they used to be and i'm not going to as many cool places as i used to you know i used to go out of the country and shoot more i used to you know shoot you know, go to beaches and shoot more and and it's just not happening as much
1: yeah nobody reason. nobody wants to spend the money
0: yeah unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> and they have, so what do you, i mean
1: they have to pr- they have to produce 10 times the amount of content for the same budget that they have that's oh yeah. the other problem
0: are you getting these people they have, that they want to own everything too I'm getting clients oh, now. Yeah. They want, they want to own everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you used to be like, Oh, we want, we need these images for two years, three years. Now it's, we want to own them and, but they oh, don't yeah. want to pay you what people used to pay for owning an image.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And then like they, if, you know, now what I'm seeing is that good enough is fine. And they'll just go to the next person who will give up the copyright or yeah. the next young photographer who wants to shoot for that brand. Sorry um so uh yeah they'll just go to the next uh photographer who wants to um who will do who'll take the job or who wants to shoot for that brand name or whatever so that's that's what i'm seeing you know there's still high higher level jobs out there um but you know even just talking you know i was talking to my old agent the other day and uh, through an email exchange and he's just like yeah you know like rates are just dropping left and right and like I talked to other people through the industry and it's the same thing so you know it's an interesting world out there and I mean now now I'm what'll ha- what's going to happen after corona apocalypse
0: <laughs> yeah I don't know I keep hoping that maybe it's going to be one of those things where everything's backing up right now because nobody can shoot so all these shoots are backing up and then they'll There'll be just like this wave of photography that needs to be done, and all of a sudden we'll have more work than we can handle. You know, returning you know, everybody. But then again, if it's like everything, most of the time in my career, everybody wants to shoot on the same day or the same week. You know, so you have three, four, two, three clients or whatever they're calling, they all want to shoot the exact same week.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that could very well happen. Um, so you know, I guess more work is better than like
0: not right. well yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> so at this point what are you doing as far as getting new work new clients is it just a name thing and your name's getting thrown out to people and they're calling you or are you still like actively pursuing new clients
1: yeah i mean you always have to stay proactive you know it's yeah. the same yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out what's working these days because this, you know, in the world of marketing, your photography, like, yeah now everybody's a photographer, everybody's sending yeah. out emails, everybody's sending out direct mails, you know? So I'm doing some of that stuff. It's just, I think, you know, it's a matter of finding the right relationships and the right connections.
0: I think um, that getting in person meetings, which are difficult to do, but I've, it seems like those are the ones that I get the most response from. If I can get in a meeting and meet somebody that those are the people who will at least return an email or, you know, a message later later and uh, those are the ones who will hire you down the road. But I think it's yeah, rare you that I've ever gotten get to shoot.
1: A meeting. Yeah,
0: that getting a meeting is ridiculously hard. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I found it's almost easier for me to get meetings in new york than it is in say raleigh north carolina for whatever reason and i don't right. know what that what that reasoning is for that
1: where are you Even, based
0: i'm in charlotte i'm based oh, in charlotte, in charlotte. Okay. yeah yeah i shoot Got some it. in new york um you know like you yeah, travel around but it seems to be easier to get those meetings Although LA, I can't get a meeting in LA. I can get like two meetings in LA if I'm trying for an entire week. I get two people who say, Oh, we can meet <laughs> you. <laughs> Nobody yeah, else I, seems to be up for it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty but, tough.
0: All right, dude, I saw on your website, you have this ridiculous amount of publicity about you, um, like magazines and all these articles. How the hell does that happen? You have some right guru PR person that's working for you or is this, is this something else where you just run into the right people?
1: You know, I, I don't have PR. I just have, uh, you know, a lot of it's network and relationships and, um, you know, people reaching out. I mean, I, some people find my work and they, they want to do uh, different things or just random connections come through different people and, that I meet uh that's pretty much uh, you know how i've gotten any of that press is just through people reaching out or knowing people um it's all relationships really
0: are you going out to parties and meeting all these people
1: um
0: like (laughs) gatherings and that kind of thing
1: yeah you know i don't i mean i think new york also is just a place where people are just like oh you meet somebody and they're like oh you do this oh Oh, oh, you're gonna meet this person and like that's the one amazing thing about new york is just I never go to any industry parties at all. Not that there is any, there used yeah. to be some really cool ones, but I don't, I haven't seen any of those lately. So it's most of the press has come through, you know, So whether it's entrepreneurs or different, you know, different types of people. Um, it's a lot of, it's just like, Oh, you got to meet this person. Oh, you, Oh, what kind of stuff do you need? Oh, you need this. Oh, great. Like you should meet this person and then somebody will connect me. And then this something like that'll happen. You know, uh, that's more of, of, that's more of where the press comes from is just knowing people not necessarily out and about and like people knowing what you do and what you're looking for I mean I think talking about that stuff uh, if people know what you need a lot of times at least in New York people will be like oh oh you need this okay great I know this person who does this and then like they connect you and then like you never know what happens from there
0: yeah that makes sense so was the whole photography thing, the reason you left Seattle to come to New York, just thought it would be a better place for you to be?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, well, I first I moved to L.A. for three years because um, I wanted a f- photography hub, like a city that was a photography hub. Yeah. And I, I lived in L.A. for three years. I didn't love it, you know, but I was still starting my career out at the time, and so I didn't really know anybody. And, like, LA's is one of those cities where, unless you, like, know people it's hard to get in anywhere it's hard to know what's going on so you know i found myself sitting home you know six nights a week forcing myself to go home go out once a week and then i was like you know i had started i had ended up like connecting i was shooting for cosmo out here so i was coming back and forth uh to new york and then like i I started my career started to get like take off a little bit towards making more money and i was like oh i can probably get a new place get a bigger space because i was living in like a room like a crackerjack box and, you know paying like monthly rent in la for yeah. three years i was like oh i'm just gonna move here for a couple months ended up being three years and like <laughs> in this house with like two other roommates and and i was like i need to get out of here because it was like it was like a sweat box my friends would make fun of me because it was like i'd be like i had my queen size bed and then i literally had enough space for a desk um, that I had my computer all set up on. I could literally sit on my bed and work on my computer. And then the other half, half of the room was my printer. And I would just be like, <laughs> out like website stuff, re- revising my portfolios, just constantly. It, I'd be like sitting in there for like 12, 15 hours a day, just like working. And eventually, you know, it all paid off. Um, but yeah, then I started going back and forth to New York. And at that point, I was, like where I could get a bigger place in LA, I was like, you know, I don't even really like living here. Maybe I should just move to New York. I've had so much fun there, and so I did. Six months later, picked up, uh, moved to New York, and and that was um sorry. I don't know, man. Um. So uh. So I uh yeah. So I was like that. And that was when I got my rep too. It was like two thousand. I oh know I moved to LA in two thousand six. So two thousand eight was when I got my first and end of 2008 is when I got my first agent and then now, did you actively
0: her... go out and looking for an agent
1: uh yeah you know actually I had a I had an agent in LA I always forget because she like yeah. nothing really <laughs> happened with that agent yeah I've had um, a few of those yeah so I go I always forget that was my first agent so so I had her for a while and then I started looking for agents um and I found one in New York that ended up landing with uh, which is greenhouse and they really helped kick off my career. Like they helped connect me. They gave me the credibility that I needed to, like, mm-hmm. like sell a client on a, uh, um, you know, sell a client on me. And and that really helped. And then I, from that first, I one of my first big campaigns was for Secret Deodorant, and um, shot that in Miami. That was my first huge production. I had like thirty people on set. I was just figuring oh, it out wow. as I went along. Yeah. you know, like, um, full producer, free assistants, digital tech stylist hair makeup there's their assistants and you know like
0: so when you were doing your first shoot like that when so you're doing this first shoot Because i remember my first one and i had no clue what i was doing i was basically pulling it out of my ass um did did your reps help you it's like hey you need three assistants on this and and help you okay. figure that out or is that what so you were just like i saw somebody or heard somebody had three assistants i'm gonna have three assistants plus a digital tech
1: Yeah, no, my, yeah, my, my reps completely walked me through everything. I mean, you know, it was like (laughs) handholding. Yeah. They're like, you need to find a good assistant. If you need help, we'll find you assistants. assistant. And like, I didn't know anybody in in Miami, but like we found that my reps found the right producer and then the producer helped me find the crew. And like, you know, I was like, look, I need to find people that know what they're doing that like have, you know, I, I was using, you know, I would use assistants that had no lighting better than I do. Because my whole portfolio was built off of natural light, but you know, somehow my first big gig like this was—it was was literally a night shot. It was a girl jumping into a pool at night at a pool party. (laughs) So there was like 15 extras in the background, and we Frankenstein this thing. Like we had to shoot. It was—we had to get. I mean, the the art director was loving it because of this girl in a bikini jumping into a pool at at a pool party. So the way we had to construct the shot was like, you know, he had to, we had to like get these girls. They had to, they had to be doing the perfect secret like like pose in the air. Oh God. And so we had to get the, the, the casting. We had these girls jumping on bikini jumping in <laughs> bikinis on trampolines on video and he like i tell you what he was the highlight of his whole office because all the guys were just like coming over to his computer to watch the casting it was I'm sure they were <laughs> so, we had, so yeah so what we did we had to shoot the girls on black so we shot them outside on a black backdrop so that we could pull them out um you know pull out like knock them out of the background just right. in case we couldn't nail it in the frame so we shot the girls doing the perfect thing on the trampolines we shot two al- alternate girls and then we actually shot in the pool at this house. And it was, you know, we had to like dry the girl off every time she jumped in the pool. And like we had to orchestrate all of the extras in the background and then like the front flash and like open up the shutter to keep the, to draw the lights in. So it was, it was like a very complex shot, uh, especially because it was um, action. You know, there she's yeah. jumping into a pool at night when you don't have, all you can do is. Uh, obviously a 250 250th of a second shutter speed that's the highest you can go with strobe so um at that point you know those were the lights that we were it was the pro photo, like the fastest pro photos or whatever yeah um so yeah so that was it was a funny it was you I mean, know it pulled it all off but that was my biggest campaign to date i mean if we had like um you know it was in people magazine it was everywhere i mean I remember, I remember flying on the plane like a few months later and like seeing somebody like next to me with a people magazine and they flipped it over and i was like oh there's my there's my ad in this giant magazine it's pretty cool yeah,
0: that's pretty cool yeah oh yeah i remember the first time i saw mine anywhere hell i found out i had a shot in um Times square but i had no clue I was just searching oh, well. searching that client on the internet and i saw a picture i was like well somebody should have told me that would been nice <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. to to have seen that did you get the girl in the did you get the girl on set like get the shot on set or did you have to use one of the ones you shot her on black
1: Oh, you know, I mean, they. I think they Frankensteined her. you know, they yeah. just took like, they, we had so many shots. I think they took like an arm from one shot, like a leg from another <laughs> shot, <laughs> face from another shot, you know, they handled the post. We basically just handed them a hard drive at the end of the shoot and they just like Frankensteined everything together with their retouching team.
0: How much of your own that, post do you they handle now? Yeah, yeah. I've had clients um, like know, that.
1: I do most of it color, you know, if it's really in, you know, needs a lot of cleanup, then I'll send it out to a retoucher. But, um, for the most part I do, you know, 90% of it myself, but I shoot pretty clean. Like most of my stuff is all in camera, um, you know, natural light. And then if I need to, then I can, um, you know, yeah, like I said, if it needs extra retouching, I'll hire, I'll hire like a professional retoucher. I, I don't touch that shit.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with <laughs> you. I mean, for- most of my stuff's the same. I shoot, I get most of it in camera. I do some minor retouching, um, tweak the colors a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Saturation, yeah. black levels, that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah I don't do it here. ton. But so tell me about this. Um, I saw on your podcast, first of all, tell me about that. How, what made you start? When did you start it? And, uh, what made you decide you wanted to start it? The and, podcast. Uh, yeah. The podcast.
1: Yeah, you know, I went through, you know, I think there's a big part of me that, you know, once a while back, I went through a whole, I, I went through a bit of a hard time with business and all that stuff. And I ended up doing this emotional intelligence and leadership training down and out in L.A. for a couple of years. And my friend Lewis Howes, like, interviewed me on his podcast uh, while I was out there. Uh, and I was like, man, this is a lot of fun. I didn't even know, I didn't really know much about podcasts at that point and um and so his pod- podcast producer was out there as well and i was like hey yeah. i was like man i should i have such a great network i should just go and i should start a podcast and just interview all my friends and at that point it was like you know the first person i asked was scooter um to to interview him and he didn't even know what a podcast was at that point yeah um, but, you know, I mean, that was a big inspiration of it. So it, a lot of it's been, you know, kind of, a, you know, just a, a mental game take as well uh, on creativity and then creative entrepreneurship. Uh, because it's, as you know, it's, it's up and down. It's not easy. And there's a lot of emotions to navigate through it. And there's a lot of mental game to navigate through it. So, you know, a lot of my interviews have been like, you know, what's kind of the process, the mental game to become successful? And I, you know, those like a lot of the creatives that I've interviewed, it's like it comes down to a strong mental game and and persistence and resilience and, and being able to pick back up and move forward. And and so, you know, that's been a common theme, but that was the inspiration to do the podcast was, you know, a being interviewed in the, for on my friend podcast, but then that opened my eyes to it. And then just kind of seeing like where I could go with it and like the people that I could interview. And that's where I that's where I started the podcast and then it just, it's been, you know, and I, and I tried to photograph everyone that I interviewed. So kind of tying it together uh, overall with what I do as a photographer.
0: So are you doing some of these podcasts, are you doing them on location or do you have them all come to you or how does that work? Especially um, with,
1: well now I have no idea, but yeah, <laughs> right here, you know, with like, what's happening. this is, but you know, this is like a week ago, a week ago, that all this stuff happened. Yeah. Uh, but I try to do everything in person. I mean, I do everything in person or I have done everything in person. So I'll either go to that person, if especially if they have like a, a location that really tells their story. You know, I want to like if they're an artist, like I love photographing artists in their amongst their work and, and that kind of thing. Um, whereas, you know, if it's somebody who's it's, it's more their thought they're they're a thought leader then a lot of then sometimes i'll just have them come to me like right here in the studio I have, I have like a photo studio set up right here or that i can set up tear up and and set up right here uh, now so i can shoot i'll shoot people in the studio and then we'll do the interview here so it's it's a mix of both but i always try to do it in person
0: yeah it's a little harder for me since i'm in charlotte uh, <laughs> I can't, it's hard to talk some of these people have been becoming, coming from new york down to charlotte from la to charlotte so i've been yeah. doing mostly the zoom thing but it seems to be working so far So i can't complain you're the first yeah, person i've cool. i've talked to who has their own podcast
1: oh wow yeah. yeah i mean i'm i don't know a lot of photographers that have podcasts there's not very many that i know
0: of yeah yeah. I don't know too many. I've told a couple of people and they're just like, Oh, okay. But they're not interested in like some other photographer friends. They're like, that's cool. But they have no interest in doing it themselves, which I get, cause it wasn't the thing I wanted to do. I mean, when I first decided to do it, it wasn't, it's not exactly my um, comfort zone, I guess. And that's the thing that's why I did it was to push me out of it a little bit. Cause I prefer to be a little more, I'm probably a little more introverted unless I'm on set and then yeah. I'm definitely more extroverted, but I don't talk as much. So for me to do it and pushing me a little bit
1: yeah i mean that was a big thing for me too is pushing myself out of my comfort zone of being um behind a microphone because i was always i've always had a hard time like communicating and and you know being an extrovert in that in that sense so that was also now that you say that mention that it reminds me that yeah that was a big part of starting the podcast for myself to push myself out of my comfort zone get get better at speaking
0: yeah yeah and it's definitely helped i'm enjoying it now where at first i was a little freaked out about it and but now i'm enjoying it and i'm having a good time with it and just gotta keep uh trying to get guests sometimes a little difficult i guess for me i have getting guests occasionally but it's slowly starting to get easier i think depending on who i'm reaching out to but um yeah well now's your time yeah no (laughs) kidding yeah (laughs) get everyone up now because everybody's just
1: in the office doing nothing yeah I'm doing, I don't know, I'm doing all kinds of stuff but
0: yeah i i'm doing more than i thought i was going to but i guess i think i told you before we started this whole thing i probably got about another week or so before i going to start coming up with things to do i'm yeah. going crazy man i did see on your podcast yeah. you got scammed but i didn't get a chance to listen to it what was that about
1: oh yeah this is something to be aware of actually i would warn all photographers um i just got this email one day and i was like traveling this was like about a year ago i was traveling back and forth to la quite a bit uh, i was just traveling all over the place <clears throat> and this this guy just emailed me and he was like oh yeah you know i'm a writer for w magazine and you know he's like i want to do a shoot and he had like all the stuff laid out very you know in a very convincing you know for somebody that knows the industry i was like oh this makes sense and for and the way that clients are now you're like yeah, yeah sure yeah i could see this makes sense So it was this whole ordeal <clears throat> and essentially like and partially i wasn't paying full attention because i was like traveling i wasn't home um and they ended up this guy was like okay here, here we need you to to do this shoot it's like an edit an advertorial shoot so there's a fee but you know the the make the model agency is going to take care we've already chose the model agency they're going to take care of the production Um, and they're like, well, so you're, we just need you. They're going to, we're going to send you a check for whatever. I was like 59 or it was like $4,900 or something like that. And we just like, we'll just need you to write a check, you know, pay them up front. Okay, fine. Sure. That's not really how things work. Uh, it was like, I don't remember how much it was. It was like $4,200 or something like that. And they're just like, we'll need you to pay it. Just write, uh, send the money the you know the model agency and then we'll pay you the, the remainder of uh everything after the shoot right whatever okay it's fine yeah and then i yeah. was like um you know and then like back and forth i talked to the guy at the model agency um the guy was like oh yeah yeah cool just let me know and
0: how like, was that connection like, when you talked to him was the the phone connection or did you just email and text
1: no i talked to him on the phone he like called yeah. me
0: was the connection decent? What do you mean? Or did it sound weird when you talked to him or did it sound just clean and normal? The reason I'm asking is because I've had, from now that you're saying it, I had, I've had the same thing happen multiple times. Um, but the last time it happened to me, I looked the person up, found him on LinkedIn. I think it was the last time. Found the person on LinkedIn, found the number, called the phone number, I think it was maybe on the email, but it sounded a little weird. The, the phone number sounded strange. Like when we talked back and forth, there sounded like there were some glitches in the phone. And it didn't sound like a normal cell phone. So oh. I um, sent an email and saw that when they opened the email, they were in Nigeria. And this guy was supposed to be in Chicago. Oh, so that's why I was wondering how the, uh, how the phone sounded.
1: Huh. Yeah, I don't I mean, it's, I think it sounded fine. I don't remember. I think it was this yeah. dude's cell phone. Um, uh, they ended up being in Long Island because um, I tracked some stuff down because I, anyways, so the, I'll, I'll finish that after. So like, huh. yeah, what happened? Essentially, they just kind of, everything that they said was kind of like on point with how production works. And, you know, the only thing I was like, they, I was like, oh, well, let me see the clothes. They sent me some like images of the clothes and I was like, okay, doesn't seem like a fashion shoot, but whatever clients are clients these days. Like at this point, I'm like, you know you're just like okay yeah sure like maybe that was like it was right. kind of a little bit of a flag but also kind of like believable and normal i was like well you
0: never know what a stylist is going to do anymore yeah, and how they're going like to put clients. it together so you keep like, going all right yeah i get it
1: exactly i was like yeah. clients are clients they'll pick the weirdest shit and you're just like okay you gotta roll with it and all right uh so everything just kind of like the whole process everything just like nothing really stood out as like this is really off and everything you know and I've been doing this I've been doing I've been a photographer for like 15 years and they played this game so well and I just you know bought it and you know everything seemed normal and everything then it got to the shoot day like the day before the shoot they're like oh where do you want to shoot and I was like you know, I'm I'm used to shooting now run and gun quite a bit, too, because right. obviously clients want to shoot that way. And I was like, oh, let's shoot here, you know, at this location. The day before, I was like, oh, you know what? I want to go. Sh- let's shoot over at this location. So I sent them an email and then I never heard back from them. And then I was like, this is strange. So like later that night, I called them. They didn't pick up. They didn't pick up. I was like, what is going on here? And then I Googled this guy's email address and found something on a photo editor that talked about the whole scam. And I was like, motherfucker. Like, oh. this dude totally got me. And I so had you Had, like, had taken taken- you
0: already gotten the check and... Sent.
1: Yeah. So, when, Oh yeah. That was the other thing is they, they had sent a check, but I was not home. I was in LA. So I had my assistant come to my house, take a photo of the check and send it to me so that I knew that I had it in hand. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to send you the, I'm not going to send somebody the money if I don't have money in hand. Right. Yeah. Who would have thought that they would write a check that would bounce two weeks later after they'd gotten the money that I sent them. So that's yeah. essentially what happened. I and I called the bank. I was like, I immediately called the bank, and I was like, "Is there any way to like reverse this and or like to like call like write like stop that check payment or whatever?" I think I sent them. I actually sent them a bank check from my bank online. You know, like you can just have a check sent. Uh, But that they take out the money right away once you send that check. Um, And then I was like, "Shit, I got. I just got fucked." um and i sent the you know i i asked the bank i started talking to the bank i talked to the fraud department they're like yeah like they tracked it down they found this like i forgot what those things are called it was like a quick it was like kind of like a western union um oh yeah like something else
0: cashing places yeah and i like found that. like I, yeah. they gave me the
1: location that it was cashed at and like i called them and they're like it's already been it's gone yeah can't do anything about it. And I went to the police and they're like, well, print everything out and come back. You know, like this is like a civil case or this is like a, this is like a fraud case, blah, blah, blah. So I print everything out. I go back to the, the, the station the next day and somebody else comes on. They're like, Oh no, no, you got to sue this person. And like, this isn't, yeah, they don't care. Yeah, I was like, who am I going to sue? Like, this is this person who like is total fraud. Like, how do I even know if this person is this person? So essentially I like, you know, I lost four four grand or whatever it was. I'm gonna just eat it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've had I mean I've had it happen. Luckily I didn't send them the money, but I've had people try the same thing with me like probably three or four times. They even had it with Craigslist where they go, Hey, we wanna buy the T V you're selling. But I'm in Afghanistan and I can't get it, so I'm gonna send somebody to get it, but I have to pay them 50 bucks to get it will you add another 50 you know will you give them 50 or whatever they'll give you a check for the thing and will you give them 50 dollars back oh yeah (laughs) but the last one i had man they they sent me a certified check from the bank from a bank but the whole the whole thing was weird because it was some shoot for it was another deal was like for a magazine but i can't remember what magazine for me it was for some company anyway whatever it was they were based in Chicago. Oh, whoever it was. And so I looked it up, the guy was real, the name that they were using was real, the company was real. Then um, they said they were going to FedEx me a check from their lawyer, and the FedEx came from California um, from Florida. So I get this FedEx pass- package from Florida, and I asked like, "Why is the FedEx package from Florida?" And the guy said, "Oh, that's just where our lawyer is." Like, OK. Well, you open up the check it's from a plumbing company at the top. It's like some kind of plumbing company is huh. what the check was from. And he said, well, that's one of our sponsors or some kind of thing. It was for, uh, I can't remember what it was for, but it was on a certified check. So you take it to the bank. So I was like, I'm not putting this in my account. I'm going to cash the check. Um, cause this way seems way too sketchy, too much like the last two or three of these things that I've had happen. Oh, so, geez. I go to the bank and the cashier is literally just about to cash the check for like $3,500 or something like that. And she is like, okay, this looks good. I'm going to go ahead and cash it. Cause she looked it up. The account was real and all that. I said, you might want to double check this cause I have a feeling there's something not right about this whole deal. So she called over her boss, the manager came over and looked at it, told her to hold on. She went and looked up and found out that somehow these guys had gotten counterfeit checks on this actual account. Oh, wow. So that, that account was being drained of money and these guys were getting it, but then they'd find out and cancel the check on you. So they were screwing me, screwing this company in, in New Jersey, who was a plumbing company or whatever they were. And then they were getting their money on top of it. So Jeez, yeah,
1: man. people are shysters, man.
0: Anytime i anytime somebody sends me something it goes, okay, we're going to send you a check up front. And now that check, you have to take money out and pay this person, or you got to pay them ahead of time from this point forward. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that.
1: Yeah, I'm like, no checks, just yeah. ACH that shit to me. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, dude, besides photography, I know you're into all kinds of other stuff. Um, what painting, your health, all that kind of stuff. What's the biggest thing you're into right now besides photography?
1: um you know i mean and like you know the podcast but like i'm making hats i've been making hats for a while uh for like a year how now. did
0: that come about dude i know you was it something you were just wearing and people was like that's a cool hat and you know I mean, did you make well, your own I kind mean, of thing i, or became, what happened I there? became
1: obsessed with hats like four probably four or five years ago from a friend of mine named Satya. she had a hat factory here in new york and she was like hey you gotta come make a hat and i was like oh okay cool sure i never wore a hat like that in my life and then um ended up coming going to her hat factory it was really cool it's the oldest hat factories in the, in manhattan like frank sinatra used to make his hats there and stuff like that and she'd oh, kind of wow. taken it over from the company that owned it um and she's the one that really got me into hats just in general and hat making and so i would go in there and i'd make stuff i'd trade her like you know some hats for one of her lookbooks and and stuff like that and uh and then that was just kind of like the start of it. Then she had to close the, ha- the factory down because it was just too much to maintain and all this stuff. And so at that point, I had probably had like 12 or 15 hats just that that I had gotten through the process. And we we stripped a lot of them down and re-blocked them kind of before she closed the factory. And, you know, over a couple of years, I was just, I just started like designing, you know, I would pick one up and design it or paint it or do do some different things to it. And then eventually, like, when I wear them out, people are just like, oh, man, that's amazing. I want, you know, where'd you get that hat? Like, people kept asking me where I'd get it. And then eventually, you know, I had I ran into Justin Bieber at the Soho House. And he was like, yo, man, I like your hat. And I was like, oh, I was like, I made it. And he's like, sweet, man. And there was, like, some other, um, you know, a couple of, and then somebody asked me to make one for somebody else that was for a red carpet thing. And I was like, maybe I should just, like, get this formalize this stuff a little bit more so i ended up like i was trying to find like sourcing it and sourcing out like people that would be able to like block the hats for me and um couldn't find anybody that would do such a low number so i ended up just buying all the tools to make them myself so i just been you know it's been about a year a little over a year that i've been doing them um from scratch you know just block them and then hand stitch everything inside and like the sweatbands and then design them from like beginning to end
0: are you glad that um, worked out that way that you're doing it yourself? I suppose to so getting somebody yeah, else to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have much more control over the whole process. And like it, I've learned a lot through it and I, you know, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, um, I can do it whenever I want, you know and I don't have to right. rely on anybody else to like block something out. So even now I'm like, I'm just finishing up a couple of hats to send out a couple.
0: So what do you mean by blocking the hats?
1: Uh, so blocking is like creating the shape of the the crown. So, um, okay, this shape here, the top, the crown, is like the top of the hat, and you can have all kinds of different shapes. And there's like, basically, you basically shape it. You have to steam it, and then you shape it over a wooden block that's shaped in this shape at this at this size. Okay, so I have to have a, have have a block, a wooden block, um, at each size in different sizes for people's size heads. I um, mean, you know, I have like every other, I have like a med- small, medium, and large basically. Yeah. And then I can um, use sizing foam to like get in between sizes and things like that. But the, the, the blocking is the actual shape of the crown. Okay. And then you have to like flatten out the brim. It's, it's,
0: it's a bit of work. to get. How long does it take like, you to do one?
1: Uh, it's probably a good four or five hours uh, from like start to finish, depending on what I do to the hat, however I design it. Some hats are, take a little bit longer than others.
0: Do the price, do you have like a price range, or are they all the same price, or how's, how are you doing that?
1: No, um, yeah, it's all it's all one one price. I mean, I they're the twelve fifty, but I've been you know doing you know kind of a, an introductory rate for like eight hundred bucks. Okay. Um, but which is about you know what custom hats? If you go to the high end custom hats that are all like handmade, that's about what they are. You know, right. different hat makers. So, but I'm, you know, I'm just doing this, you know, I'm doing this, it's, it's kind of like an art project, you know, they're like custom art projects, essentially, like they're all one of a kind, like every hat's been different um, compared to the next, even if it's just like a few elements that are different. Right. So, you know, when people have them, they get uh, something that nobody else has.
0: That's very cool, man. Yeah. They, they look, they look cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. I'm not much of a yes. hat guy. If I was, I'd probably get one. Oh, yeah, no, I'd get one. You
1: know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's fun. like hats are for, you know, some people are hat people, some people aren't. But I, I love them. I'm obsessed with them. And then I just make, make, them, make them for myself whenever I want. That's kind of the biggest reason.
0: Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, especially if you can make them for yourself and then you end up selling them, <laughs> making yeah. some money off of it that's a good yeah, I mean, gig
1: it's, it's definitely paid for all the i had I had invested a few, a few thousand into like all the tools and everything so it's definitely paid for itself
0: well, that's good to hear
1: yeah, hell, yeah if you
0: get somebody like justin bieber wearing them
1: yeah i still have you yet to could, get one on him but um
0: it'll happen. Gotta work that out man you, gotta get, you can do it like beats that's Just right. put on all your celebrity friends, get them all wearing your hats, so and next thing you know, you'll be won't be doing anything other than sitting there in that room making hats all day long. <laughs> exactly. But then you can sell them for five grand a piece.
1: Yeah, they'll have to, because like there's no I mean, I still make way more money than doing photography. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh I mean, last last question. What is the strangest or most interesting thing that's happened to you since you've started in this business? And it could be any kind of range from just like completely freakish to just really cool.
1: you know, I would say all of this uh you know just some of the most random like celebrity hangouts that I would have never in my life i thought I would be a- part, have been a part of like I've had dinner with jay Z and Man. watched a a chance the Rapper show with him, Beyonce and Usher before. Um, you know, I, I was—I've taken Justin and Usher out on the town before, after Fashion Week on a Fashion Week night. I've, you know, I went on vacation with Usher. Um, oh, so you know, the the this, the place that I grew up in in Seattle on the suburbs. You know, growing up, I would have never thought in my life that I would live the life that I've lived
0: up until now. So they're all asking you for free pictures. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I mean, like, no, I like they've, some of them have hired me most of the times. You know, like, I've shot Justin for when other brands paid, and then well, I shot him for the album cover with Cody Simpson that never came out. Uh. They paid, and that's that's a bummer because I have so yeah. many great images that I cannot even touch, and they've not seen the light of day, but they paid me very well for it.
0: <laughs> and you can't even use them. Nope. So I can just, only use the some,
1: ones that they've they've put they've out publicly. Put out,
0: yeah. 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 that you know. Sucks.
1: But I shot Justin at his home one time. He called me and asked me to shoot him. I was like, sure, I'll come over and shoot. So that's you know, cool. That was not paid, but fine, whatever. Like, you know, I've yeah, got. I've been you know, yeah. made, made some money from shooting him through other brands and and other things. So
0: Jay Z and Beyonce to get you over there to shoot something for free. <laughs> i probably would (laughs) yeah i would yeah (laughs) jay-z calls like hey i need you to shoot something but i don't i'm not paying you whatever you just tell me when and where and i will be there exactly exactly all right dude well um thank you very much for doing this i really appreciate it anybody out there watching uh if you're watching listening all that kind of stuff like this thing subscribe to it thumbs up it whatever the hell you do to say that you like a podcast share it all that kind of stuff and um, listen for the next one see you guys